Hey, everybody. This is the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike. Welcome to the show. If you're new around here, on this show, we interview people from around Columbus and Central Ohio who are doing incredible things, whether that's in business and entrepreneurship, science, athletics, you name it, we're here to talk to them. We want to know all the stories of all the incredible people here in our great city. And uh, if you want to know those stories too, well, then you're in the right place. Today on the show, we've got Olivia Weinstock joining us. And Olivia is currently a student, but also an entrepreneur. She's founded a company called Tandem. And uh, it's kind of born out of necessity where, you know, growing up, Olivia was a little entrepreneurial minded herself, started a summer camp for kids, lots of parents bring their kids to drop them off. And after she got done with that, parents were asking, hey, where can we bring our kids? Is there someone I, you know that might be a good recommendation to help take care of our kids? Thus, Tandem was born. She met up with a couple of people, uh, a couple of other students that she knew and they started building the product. And today Tandem helps people find childcare, which is pretty cool. It's tough to find sometimes. You want to find people that you trust and are verified. And Olivia herself actually does a lot of those verifications right now. So it's it's a pretty cool story and it's got a lot of legs to it. And I'm excited to see where Tandem goes and excited to see where Olivia goes. But hope you enjoy this interview. Hope you learn a lot and we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Oldman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24 7365. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike. We got Tim over here in the chair. What's going on, Tim? Dude, it snowed a little bit today. It's, it's the, I mean, <laughs> That's, I'm bummed. When I first got here, when I first got to Ohio from a mythical place called San Diego, they, <laughs> it, I, I got it in quick today. Yeah, I know. I, well, I wanted to beat you to it because I knew you were going to bring it up. So if I start bringing it up, then, you know, you can't. That's fair. But in San Diego, right? Like weather was pretty similar all the time. And then I came to Ohio and experienced my first shift from winter to spring in Ohio. And I found out that in Ohio, you never know what you're going to get yeah. between March and April. It could be snowing one day and 80 degrees the next. So very true. Yeah. Well, we're in it. Other than that, things are great. Yeah. We got a great episode today too. Yeah. Today on the show, we've got Olivia Weinstock and she is a co-founder and CEO of Tandem, a free marketplace for childcare. And Tandem helps parents connect with babysitters that are vetted and hand-selected by Olivia herself. They're able to provide the platform for free to sitters and parents thanks to their creative revenue model. And prior to co-founding Tandem, Olivia actually started her first company at the age of 11, a summer camp for local kids, which we'll talk more about later. But we're excited to have Olivia on to talk about Tandem, her story, and what the future looks like for Tandem and her own goals. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Olivia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. Appreciate you driving down to join us here at the Conquering Columbus offices. But uh, how's your day going so far? It's good. Like Tim said, it snowed, so mm -hmm. it's a little bit different than yesterday, but it's going well. <laughs> So what's a, what's a typical day look like for you now? 
different than it looked a year and a half ago. I was then in school and now I'm obviously working full time on this project, which mm -hmm. is now feeling more and more like a company and something that a lot of people are working towards which is awesome. So typically I'm interacting with families. I'm interacting with babysitters, lots of people in Columbus and also trying to grow the team. And where were you going to school? I was at Michigan in Ann Arbor. Oh, I shouldn't so have asked. rival. Yes. <laughs> Josh isn't here today, but he, he would be a big fan. Well, he's, he's just such a split. So Josh wrestled at Ohio state with me and uh -huh. went to Ross school of business. Oh. Michigan. So he's kind of like a weird. I'm also, yeah, I'm also hybrid. split. I'm yeah. like half my family OSU, half my family Michigan. Yeah. Um, but now I'm back and my co-founders are both OSU. So mm -hmm. I typically get put into that bucket and I'm like, no, I really was on the other side. Are you, are you hurting after the, the final four loss? Or I the wish I could say yes. Loss? I am so disconnected from sports and everyone <laughs> wants me to care about the rivalry and I just don't. Yeah, it was this. So but I'm, I'm sure it was a bummer. Michigan made the elite eight in the basketball tournament and right. then lost to UCLA. They did. Which I was surprised by. I thought for sure Michigan would beat UCLA, but we, you Big and Ten, most of the people who bet that game. Yeah, as well. I know. <laughs> it, but now the Big Ten looks just like complete garbage at basketball. But I kind of side with you there. I've, I've always been a sports fan. I'm still a big sports fan, but I'm finding myself caring less and less unless I have yeah. something invested in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it kind of bums me out. Like I, I don't want to lose that, but I'm just like, mm -hmm. I turned a game off the other night to watch this F1 documentary on Netflix, which is incredible, by the way. You don't have to like racing, but I'm with you. I'm like, I want to yeah. care, but I'm just finding <laughs> myself distracted and, and moving on. I agree. When I was personally invested at school, mm -hmm. at the games, that was fun. That was, that was mm -hmm. part of it. But now I'm like, eh. I want to watch it. I could pretty much watch at this point, Ohio state football and Ohio state wrestling. And then everything else. I'm kind of like, eh. Wrestling is one I haven't watched. Yeah. Well, there you go. I don't <laughs> think, I don't think many people have. Yeah. That's okay. Unfortunately. Not, yeah, not, it's it, the funny thing about wrestling is it's like, even the rules are complicated and hard to understand. So mm -hmm. even if you wanted to watch it, you'd watch it and you'd be like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Yeah. Why did he get two points there? Mm -hmm. I mean, it took my wife like three years to figure it out. Really? It's just, it's just hard. It's not easy to understand what's happening, but we're getting sidetracked. Well, Olivia. Yeah. I mean, you, you were clearly working prior to going to school. So what, what got you, how did you start a business at 11 years old? Like was that accidental or is that something you were like? It was, yeah, it was semi-accidental as was tandem. So when I was younger, I, I loved kids. I loved just doing things that I think felt hard to me at the time. And, but I just wanted it to happen despite my age. So I decided to create kind of just a backyard summer camp. At this time I had a two-year-old sister. Um, so I was like nine years older than her. I was like, let's just have her and her friends come to the backyard. I'll run a camp for them. And my parents were like, um, okay, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and it caught on. I think there was this aspect um, that I later found with Tandem as well of ease in communicating with a group of people who really understood parents' needs. And so that's what I found with the camp over time, even though I didn't realize it at the age of 11 or even 13 or 15. Mm -hmm. But over the following years between middle school and then going to college, the camp grew to a very illegal size of probably a hundred plus kids a summer in my backyard. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it did. It happened accidentally, but I think it was, it was one of those findings where people enjoyed it and we leaned into the momentum. Must have been a big yard. It, yeah, it was it was packed at times, yeah. but it fit it fit them. Did you have to like start bringing people in to help? I mean, you can't just watch 100 kids by yeah. yourself, right? Like We did. So we had it was myself and my friends that first year and mm -hmm. as it grew, it was like 12 kids the first summer and as it grew, we we actually started employing the kids who 
were attending the camp at a young age. So they would outgrow our age range and then they would want to keep coming to camp. And we were like, you can be a junior counselor. Um, and so then we kind of split those people into helpers of the littler kids and kind of made it a community. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what people really enjoyed about that is they, they were helping their younger siblings and they knew everyone at the camp and the counselors were a relatable age to them. Yeah. Is that still going on or is that, is that something you've gotten rid of? So my brother took it over. Um, I kind of handed it down and he, he ran it for one year and then there was COVID. And so we'll see what happens. Mm. We'll see what happens this year and next year, but definitely something that still my community is centered around every summer is people know, know the camp and recognize when it's not happening. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So how do you end up at Michigan? So I was going to go to OCO. Mm -hmm. I was pretty close to going, um, but I live 10 minutes from campus. I grew up, you know, really close by. A lot of my friends were going and I was like, let's just try something new. A lot of my family went there and I wanted to try it out. It felt like a big decision at the time, but yeah. I'm, gl I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I got out of my comfort zone. Yeah. It's funny to me, like, you know, when a lot of people that I know from Ohio and from the Midwest in, in particular, there's this need to kind of get away, but people yes. always end up coming back. It's yep. oh, yeah. kind of this funny cycle that I've seen. I noticed that a lot with my line of work. The people are always on the fence or there's there's like the, I love the city, but it's missing this or whatever. Like they've experienced it. The people that actually say they hate Ohio or hate Columbus, most of the time haven't gone anywhere else. Right. They don't, you don't, it's like that you don't realize what you have till it's gone situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously there are places that have things we don't have, but right. as an overall like living, the, the comfort, the cost, well, Right now we can't find a house, but mm -hmm. most of the time there's a lot, there's a lot to offer. And, and Michigan's pretty similar too. Like yeah. there's a lot of hatred for the school, but Michigan as a <laughs> state is like beautiful. And there's, there's like some, there's some similarities in the, in the type of people that live there. Random thought here. Do you guys know how the Ohio state, uh, the Ohio Michigan rivalry got its start? I don't. All right. So the San Diego guy gets to educate <laughs> yeah. all you Ohioans, but the whole thing started because- Early on, when the states and Ohio and Michigan were still kind of forming their borders and territories, the Toledo, the area around Toledo and the southern border of Michigan was in contest, right? Michigan said, this should be ours. Ohio said, this should be theirs. And there's actually like even like small border wars going on between the two. And then the president at the time, I can't remember who the president was, but the president at the time came in and said, hey, this land all belongs to Ohio. But some of those people in that in that band wanted to be part of Michigan, which is why you see Toledo and areas like that very split between Michigan and Ohio families. But yeah, that's what happened. That's what created the sports rivalry. That's what created just the Ohio Michigan rivalry. The sports rivalry grew from that. Interesting. Wow. So there you go. I should have known that as a Ohio resident went to Michigan. Thanks for that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fun history facts coming at you. So you go to Michigan. How did you end up meeting your co-founders for Tandem and how did the idea of Tandem even come about? Yeah. So I went to Michigan. Like I said, it felt uncomfortable at the time. And of course, like you mentioned, I was, I came back, but I went to Michigan. I was, you know, I enjoyed school. I was someone who like, I think I was a good student, but I was always kind of looking to do something more even during school. So I kind of felt this demand that had come from the camp I formed parents texting me year round. I know you're at school, but can you connect me with a babysitter? Do you have anyone in mind? There was this need for an accessible place to do that. And I found it weird that I was still providing that given I was a student and I wasn't in Ohio or even Columbus. 
And so I, at the end of one summer home from college, I started doing this more officially. I was like, I'm going back to school, but I'd love to continue to connect you with people, kind of like a concierge. And that was really the start of Tandem. Mm -hmm. It was a super simple idea and something that I was doing so naturally beforehand. And I met my co-founders through Drive Capital, who I then kind of just started bouncing ideas off of. And they were like, you know what? You should talk to one of our interns. Um, and she was one of their engineers and she became my co-founder and her friend became our other co-founder. That's awesome. I actually didn't know this was so closely related to your first business. I thought it was just kind of like you did, you started yeah. a business and it kind of turned into well, this. Tandem, yes. So Tandem spiraled quickly. It mm -hmm. was, it was kind of this like, okay, this is a need, but we saw how successful it was when it was a need that was free. Mm -hmm. And it was something where people didn't say, hey, I'll, I'll pay you. Can you suggest one of your friends that can babysit? Mm -hmm. It was something that was just second nature to people. Mm -hmm. So, so much more opportunity for Tandem came when we came up with the revenue model we did that allows us to be free and kind of disconnects Tandem from the first job. But I mean, mm -hmm. it, yeah, that network, it all came it all came from yeah, the camp. The, as, the, the scratching your own itch situation through the whole thing kind of it yeah. led to it. Our mm -hmm. investors' kids came to the camp. That's cool. That's how I know them. Oh, I was going to ask how you got in touch with yeah. uh, with Drive. So that's how you met the people from Drive? Yeah. Obviously big fans of them. It's funny, you know, it's, it's uh, what's the phrase? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity meets preparation or preparation meets opportunity or something like that. I, I don't know. It sounds like it. a poster you'd buy at Target yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. But- but it, I mean, really, it's like taking advantage of an opportunity when you get a hold of it. Right. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So what comes first, the revenue model, the platform, the technology? Like, how do you guys actually go about building this? So it was like, okay, people are excited about this. I'm a junior in college. Like, where do we go next? Mm -hmm. um, and it very quickly became clear to me that this wasn't a part-time gig. This wasn't going to work unless I was all in. And so we did kind of start that process of like, okay, what comes next? And what we figured out was, okay, here's what Olivia is doing and it's working. Like, let's automate that. Mm -hmm. And we knew that that was engineers and that was building. And we started by building a mobile app and that launched three, four months later. Um, and then the revenue model was based on the app we built, but we wanted to give the functionality first mm -hmm. and, you know, go from there. I'm curious, were you still in school when you guys launched this or did you drop out to, to did you finish? So no, I came home full time. Mm -hmm. So I moved home. I kind of did that first semester. It was kind of mid semester when we ended up raising money. And then it was like, okay, let's figure out where we go next and incorporation. And there's a lot of logistics that you yeah. just don't think about. Again, mm -hmm. this was like kind of happened accidentally, which is so interesting. And I think I go back to that a lot because of course it was scary. It was like, okay, we're saying I'm not going to live in Michigan anymore. I'm not going to go to school anymore. I'm not mm -hmm. going to see my friends anymore. And I go back to that decision a lot of like, wow, I really did make that decision. And if I wouldn't have, this wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, it sets you up for success though, because the big stories are always about somebody who didn't go to school or who dropped out for companies. So statistically, you should be, you know, you should succeed, right? I don't know if the statistics work that way. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. You always hear the story about that, but that's cool. I mean, that you it's took an opportunity. It's stereotype. It's like, uh, oh yeah, the three of us move in together and built the app in, yeah. in, in a basement. Yeah. And but we didn't, but we did. We were, we were all in school. We were all young. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think a lot of people took a risk on us and we all took big risks. And yeah. I'm glad we leaned into that excitement. I think that's the biggest thing. When people are excited about something you're doing, like mm -hmm. you have to see that. It's a lot like an athlete. You know, they, they always get, they give them a hard time for leaving school early, but you can finish the degree later, like take the opportunity now. So right. it's, it takes, I mean, it takes heart and it, yeah. it 
it's, it's not easy to yeah. make that decision, but that's how you succeed. That's cool. I was cool. in school for biopsychology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so unrelated. And what I think I recognized was like the past 10 years of my life, I've wanted to do and create and own and have autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting that in school. What yeah. it, where I was getting that was all these little opportunities outside of school that had to do with this, this connection platform that then became, I guess, what we're working on now. So going back to what I was thinking about, you verify all the sitters and the caretakers, right? As kind of like, is it, is it, at first, was it a lot of your friends on the app or was it like, how did it, that yeah. spread? So at first it was, it was, it was everyone I knew. It very quickly over like the first year became, okay, I recognize every name in our database to, whoa, who are these mm-hmm. people signing up for this platform we created? And so what we're working to build out is kind of three different parts of a platform. One of the biggest ones is this idea of a digital reputation. So this isn't a company where we can hold hands for, you know, the next Mm -hmm. 10 years. Like we want this to be a nationwide company that can scale. And through that, we're building out a technology platform that actively and passively verifies people as reliable or unreliable providers Mm -hmm. and allows us to characterize them um, through automation. So the goal is, is really based on, on technology and not knowing everyone or interviewing everyone or doing those manual processes because we know that can't scale. So it's almost like the Uber for babysitters. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that, but I, don't, I didn't want to be the- You don't want to be the one to say yeah. that. Whenever you say the, the something the of something, something of something, yeah. 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 It's, it like, it's really, it's its own thing, but like- It yeah. is, yeah. and the goal is the Uber for any blank worker. worker. It's, yeah. it's, it can work for any hourly job. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we've seen quickly- for sure. Yeah, it's like, okay, people are like, wow, have you for a babysitter? Do you do pet sitters? Mm-hmm. Do you, can you, during the pandemic, it was, hey, my mom needs someone to bring her groceries. Can I pay someone hourly on your platform? That's awesome. So it's kind of building the baseline for that model. And like I said, Uber for X, you have to characterize people as reliable or unreliable and figure out mm-hmm. how they interact with the platform, how they interact with users. And so right now our goal is for people to come on the platform and feel like they can build a digital reputation that advertises them and they don't have to put in that work. And mm-hmm. then we're providing a good experience to the users. Okay. And then when do you guys figure out the revenue model and what exactly is the revenue model? Yeah. So we kind of had the revenue model in place from day one. What it's based on is acting as a bank for care providers. So our service wraps in not just the job finding, but also the getting paid and also the managing your earnings. So when you come to our platform to find a job, you set up a tandem pay account, which then sends you a physical debit card where you can spend your earnings. And the way that tandem benefits is by acting as the place that is processing and holding this money and money is being spent on their tandem debit card. Mm -hmm. So we had this payment model in place from day one. When we launched our app, it wasn't the perfect payment system, but it wasn't a mobile banking app and it still isn't, but it was the base for a product where people could come and they were creating that behavior from day one where they know that they're getting paid on our app. JME Hospitality, your hospitality design partner. JME Hospitality works with food service facility owners, operators, and development pros to improve the overall efficiency of customer experience and the profitability of customer operations. JME has been consulting in the hospitality operations space for over 45 years providing solutions for schools and universities, healthcare institutions, hotels, resorts, and more. They also have extensive experience working within the design, construction, and manufacturing sectors. JME specializes in helping with a variety of different problems, including the COVID effect, redesigning the customer experience to protect their clients and the public during the pandemic. JME is passionate about serving the community you live in. 
They're doing this by supporting cancer research as well as youth outreach. And JME is offering a free consultation to all Conquering Columbus listeners. Just visit jmehospitality.com. That's jmehospitality.com. And mention the Conquering Columbus podcast to receive your free consultation. Do sitters get to set their own rates? So sitters set like a range Mm -hmm. of like, okay, I want to be paid 10 to $13 an hour. When a job comes in from a family, our system then sorts through and like, okay, which sitters does this fit? Makes sense. Okay. And as you guys have scaled this, like what's changed over time then? You know, you said you started with the pay model. You started with, you know, you've been scaling the actual number of people that are involved with it, but what else has changed? Probably a different answer, but the most obvious thing to me has been step-by-step and like piece-by-piece, the manual work I've put in has just decreased, which is so cool to see. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, now the system does this that I used to do. Now the system does this. Mm -hmm. And the goal is eventually, and I mean, we're pretty much there. It's like the system does everything. That's mm-hmm. cool. And what about your team? How's your team changed? Yeah, the team has changed the most. Myself and my co-founders are 21, 22. And we started to build out the app. And once we had an MVP, our investors who we work very closely with, we're like, okay, let's see, you know, let's start growing the team. Let's build out the product. And over the last six to eight months, we've gone from three to almost 13 employees, which has been a challenge and super exciting. I think we didn't realize as, you know, 21, 22 year olds, like, okay, you're not just selling an opportunity, a job opportunity, you're selling a vision and you're, you know, it's a hard process to get that to come to fruition. So it's been super exciting to build a team centered around these goals and this mission overall. Yeah. And I can imagine, I mean, I would guess that most of the people are probably on either the technical side of the business or maybe marketing. So it's, it's almost like 90% engineers. We have 11 engineers, myself and a designer. That's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how do you guys plan on continuing to scale? So what's, I guess, what's the future look like as you continue to try and grow and, and penetrate the market? Yeah. So right now we're offering services in all of Columbus and the goal is to expand that, not just on the location front beyond Columbus, but also beyond just childcare and then beyond just the banking functionality we currently have. So our ability to scale is really dependent on the financial features that we're offering so that people who are getting paid on the platform are benefiting from the payment existing there, which then gives us that retention rate that is super high. People don't have a reason to leave the platform. Um, And then those other markets is, you know, we're working right now to build the base product that can move into those other markets and add those financial features pretty seamlessly. And what do you see being the biggest obstacles to that growth? Yeah, I think the biggest thing we're seeing right now is people are unreliable. It's, it's really, I mean, we've had some crazy stories with babysitters and with nannies and it's, you need to find ways to characterize those people. Like I talked about so that our reputation as a company is that they're vetting these people in a way where I know that they're going to be reliable. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest obstacle is like, how do we, how do we do that successfully? And we're seeing some, some really promising metrics from the things we've done. Um, but I think we got to get that down yeah. before this works. Yeah. That's a tough thing with hiring people too. Oh yeah. Every business I've ever had, I've, I've kind of had the control over it. And as I'm yeah. building teams down stuff, I'm like, oh no, everything you do represents my name. And I think about a lot of the stuff I do in sales or marketing is like, how would I want to be approached? And what would I hate? Don't do the thing I would hate. And I deal with companies, you know, you take Spectrum, for example, I have second internet, I can't get a different internet. So anytime 
Spectrum fails, that whoever started Spectrum is bad in my eyes, even though they're not touching my internet. So if you have a babysitter that shows up and doesn't do a good job, that's like on, that's on you. So that's yeah. got to be a, a big hurdle to overcome. It's almost like a fingers crossed, like don't mess up. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you've got this job, just do it well. And of course you hear the bad stories more than the good stories. Uh, There's a lot of people that have had a full-time nanny on tandem for the past year. And it's like, it's a perfect story. Mm -hmm. And they're super reliant on the platform. Like that's their childcare. So yeah, I think you're right. It's that reliability Mm -hmm. factor in building the trusts for our name. Yeah, and having them represent you, that's something I'm recently experiencing more and more that finding talents probably like it could be difficult. Yeah, and the goal is to have people align with, like I work, I'm a tandem sitter or I'm a tandem nanny or a tandem tutor. Mm -hmm. We want people to feel those sitters themselves to feel like the platform they're working on has built their reputation with them. Mm -hmm. We've given them the tools to be a more reliable, a more safe provider. And so they've been enabled by us more than, you know, they don't work for us. They work for themselves and we're giving them the tools to do that successfully. Hey everybody, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza or anything. I don't think so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hypec. I mean, I go there all the time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's what I was going to say. As soon as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best we're talking about the restaurant, but High Bank's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently, and I really like this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine, and it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too, so. Yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which I joined. Mm -hmm. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee and then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events. Right now they're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far, that's for sure. So if you guys like High Bank, if you're looking for a restaurant, somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I promise you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. So completely different question. Out of left field a little bit, but have you been following the situation then with Uber in California and and their lawsuit, which claims that drivers cannot be treated as contractors, but actually have to be considered full-time employees who need benefits and everything else. Yeah. And have you thought about how that might impact tandem going forward if that does go through? Totally. So this has been an interesting thing for us. And the system we have set up right now is, is it works really well for both sides. Basically our payment flow logistically is family to tandem, tandem to sitter. Mm -hmm. So then we are responsible for the taxes Mm -hmm. and we're giving people the tools to track all of that appropriately. So people are benefiting really well right now, but we've recognized that like state to state that might not work. And kind of what we thought about is most full-time nannies are typically a W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. So that's an option that we may want to provide regardless. It's like, do you want to work in in the 1099K, which is what we issue now since, or do you want to work as a nanny? Like, are you a nanny or are you a sitter? And there's there's kind of a difference there. So I think it's something that, you know, we'll need to think about Mm -hmm. as we expand. It's almost like, which states do we go to first? And because that would be a major lift from a building perspective um, and I'm sure like a licensing perspective as well and like to issue W-2s to people, it will determine where we go next. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a lot of 
thought, I mean, anytime you're, especially right with childcare, I'm sure there's tons of rules, regulations yeah. and things you have to work around there. Yeah. Man, that's, that's more than I could ever handle. It's more I'm glad yeah. that you're doing it and not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it complex. seems like quite the venture. Yeah. It's funny when we say like, yeah, like we'll get on an interview with someone who is wanting to work at Tandem and they're like, so I checked out your website. It looks like you're a babysitting company. And it's like, oh, let's get into it. There's mm-hmm. so many, there's so many dimensions and mm-hmm. it's like the goals are like, okay, let's be the banking app for gig economy hourly workers. They're like, whoa, I couldn't really see that from your website. But I think that's part of what's making us successful right now is we have to get the niche down mm-hmm. before we move forward. It makes makes a lot of sense, Olivia. And it's a good story to tell. Once, yeah, yeah when, when you focus on that, I think that'll be really, really strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people see like Drive Invested, you're obviously succeeding, but that's really, even when we worked together, I didn't realize the outside of that, the the, app, the yeah. applications. That's, that's like, that's very, very promising. We've been really, yeah, we've been really like lucky to have them as, just as a resource because they're so supportive of that. We can't move too quickly. Mm-hmm. You have to, with when you're working with kids and money, like you get you get something down first and you need like 99% of people to have a good experience and build that trust. And then you can expand. Yeah. If you expand too quickly, you're going to mess up. Oh, so yeah. yeah, we're trying to really focus and make a killer product and then move, move forward from there. Smart. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Well, Olivia, I think a uh, good place to pivot towards some of our last questions of the show here. And, and the first one I'd ask you is, do you have any advice for our listeners? And a lot of them out there are people that are entrepreneurs, people who are considering becoming entrepreneurs and people who are just young professionals working at, you know, through jobs and careers, but just give you an idea of who we're talking to. Yeah. I remember when I was maybe like 13 and Mm -hmm. I had a babysitting job as I did. And the dad was like, I bet you're going to be a CEO one day. Hmm. And I was like, I maybe want to go into healthcare or I maybe want to do this or that. And I think the best thing I did was take opportunities when I had them and follow ideas when I had them. But I didn't try too hard to quote unquote, be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I knew that there were things that I felt strongly about and I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to create things and I had, I had ideas I felt passionately about, but I think following those ideas when they came up and leaning into other people's excitement was something that happened organically and then led to something really great. Yeah. I think that's solid, solid advice. And, uh, Our last question of the show is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus. And that theme is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for a show about entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, uh, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? It's like 99% of my life. So I think it's a good one. I made a drastic transition. I had never had a real job. I mean, I had done all of these makeshift type jobs, nanny, babysitting. I ran a camp. And when I came to work on Tandem, I was talking about things like payroll and W-2s and, you know, nine years from now and equity and, you know, valuation. And all of that was uncomfortable to me. But again, if I would have gotten scared of that, if I would have run away from that, like we wouldn't be where we are now. And I mean, I've learned more in the last year and a half than I ever have, which has been uncomfortable at times, but already paying off. Well, Olivia, it's been great talking to you. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and tell your story and the story of Tandem. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. Hope you all enjoyed that episode and that conversation with Olivia. If you did and you want to hear more just like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Again, you can get episodes like this every Monday right in your eardrums. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.